to Gladiatrix. I am woman and hear me roar. Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am your host, Malini Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Have you ever wondered what it must feel like not to have a country called home? Or a guidance counselor in high school laugh at your dreams and tell you that you're not fit to go to college? Well, our guest today is Juman Dele Alumari, and she knows exactly how that feels. She considers herself a citizen of the world. She was born in Kuwait to parents of Jordanian and Palestinian descent, went to school in Egypt, and finally worked her way to the United States via Canada. This is her journey from the Middle East to the Midwest. Hey, Jaman, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on the show. Hi, Melanie. Um, I am so honored to be on this show. Uh, I've known you for such a long time, and I am extremely proud of you and proud Aww. of what you're doing uh, to uplift other women uh, and give them a platform uh, to um, express themselves and be able to um, talk about, you know, what are their fears and what are their triumphs. Um, that is a huge, huge thing. So thank you for doing that. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, I can think of a better person to have on the show, just listening to your story. And, you know, we, we, we women tend to not toot our own horn because we're so conditioned to be kind of on the sidelines. And you have accomplished so much. And I think the world needs to hear your story. So this is your platform, girl. So let's start with, uh, let's start with, uh, you, you, you've, you've crossed so many countries. You've lived in so many countries, brought up in so many places, right? So why don't you st- tell, tell our, our um, listeners a little bit about that? Well, thank you, Melanie. Um, I, um, I do see myself as a global citizen to some extent. As American as I am, um, there is still a little part of me that is kind of out there in the world that empathizes with other women uh, who have uh, I've witnessed growing up in, in the rest of the world. And when I say the rest of the world, I'm predominantly talking about the Middle East. So I, I come from that region. So I'm a very proud Arab American, um, but I was born in one country. Uh, I was born in Kuwait, and if anybody knows where Kuwait is, uh, I'm sure they do with the Iraq war and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I was born there, and then uh, at the age of six, we moved to Egypt. Um, and from and I'm my family are Jordanians, so we um, never really had we never really lived in Jordan, but we were brought up you know, Jordanian, Palestinian, to be quite honest. I'm from both of these. Um, so, you know, we kind of always lived as if we do not belong in any of those countries. So you had to make the best of the, every situation. Um, I lived in Kuwait. I lived in Egypt for about 10 years and then moved to Canada. And then here, uh, when I was a early te- a late teens, early 20s, I moved here with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, um, I have really grown up, uh, you know, 
conditioned to expect to be a housewife. Um, when I was, you know, when I was little, they're like, my, I remember my grandma and my, my parents would be like, oh, one day you will ma get married and have kids and you don't really need to worry about anything. Mm -hmm. um, although I, I love to be pampered, that is actually a great thought. <laughs> I'm not sure if they were enabling the complacency in me to say, well, okay, someone else is going to take care of me. I don't need to worry about this. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, again, moving to Egypt kind of started me over from zero. Um, no family. My family just with my parent, immediate parents, and I had some distant family there. Um, with my grandma was there as well in Egypt. Um, and she, um, she really tried to institute, um, the strong women mentality in me. Uh, I'll have to give it to her and to my mom. Uh, those two ladies have, were kind of like my sheroes, you know, they're my mm -hmm. ladies. Um, my, my grandma had to endure um, an occupation where they had to leave Palestine back when she was a young uh, bride, uh, carrying two young children and naked in Egypt as much as she can because her husband couldn't work right away. He was um, very distressed and they had to make, you know, to be a dual income house because they ended up having like 10 kids. So she was working her tail off and she taught me, you know, between her and my mom, because once my mom became 17, finished her high school, um, she left to go and be a teacher in another country, which is Kuwait. This is where I was before she met my dad and love story happened. And then I happened, obviously. Um, but <laughs> that being said, um, you know, both of these women started working very early in their life, uh, starting to, to take responsibility way above and beyond who they are. So when my dad would say something like, hey, oh yeah, we'll do this, or my uncles or my cousins that come visit, hey, you know, that's where I'm gonna be. You know, all they care about is how good they look and how um, they're gonna be attracting, hopefully, a good groom. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was the tomboy, I was the odd one all the time, because. I am seeing it live in action in my grandma and my mom mm -hmm. at women's place is as equally important as a man in the workforce, uh, in education, in, in, in truly being a partner, you know, in, in life mm -hmm. um, and uh, an independent person mm -hmm. if need be. Um, so following their footsteps, when I kind of moved with my family to Canada, um, you know, and my dad is starting to say, well, you know, since we have nobody here, uh, we don't know what the future will hold for us. We're going to start again from zero because we ended up leaving my, for the, because of the war and all kinds of political stuff that were happening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you had to start from zero, you know, losing friends, losing family. And this is all before emails and, and right. time. It was all snail mail and phone calls that you have to go and pay ahead of time at the um, telephone company and then they send it to your house and it, it was just a I don't know if you remember that Melanie yep. you yep. um, I'm, I'm giving away my age clearly <laughs> oh, I think all the, I think everybody on uh, listening is probably around our age too so don't worry about it <laughs> okay <laughs> so with that being said it was uh, it was hard it was hard to make connections 
um, and um, you know your confidence in yourself you either cave in mm-hmm. say well you know I think I'm lost I don't know what I'm gonna be doing or make you know make lemonade with the lemons you've been given that's right um, to, to my parents, that was a great new opportunity, moving to a new world, uh, and even coming here to, the, to, the, to Michigan and the U.S. Um, but for us as kids, it was devastating. Mm-hmm. It was devastating. Um, I, I mean, if you guys have, uh, I'm sure you have, had family mm-hmm. and cousins and, and friends when you were a teenager, you're leaving all of that. Yeah, it's very traumatic. Yeah. And, and it's, yes, and it was such a shock. And um, I had to learn quickly how to become um, the network queen. And I, Melanie, you probably know me. Yes. <laughs> that uh, I make friends uh, quite fast, um, but I don't, I don't have close friends that many. I only have very few close friends. And you mm-hmm. are them, actually, as a matter of fact. Um, these are the ones that I share, you know, my, my dreams and my aspiration as well as my difficulties and, and, and worries and seek their advice and, um, you know, and cheer them on as they cheer me on. So it was, you know, again, growing up from telling me, oh, your place is the kitchen, your place is to be, you know, um, at home. Oh, you don't need to study science. You, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. You really, you're, you're, you're beautiful. You're this, you don't need really you don't need your brains because you have the perfect face or whatever Mm -hmm. um um at the beginning i was like okay okay and then the the more i grew up i became a teenager i became resentful Mm -hmm. hated them saying that to me i i did not like it as a matter of fact i wanted to become a boy there was a point in my life where i used to hide like how i would dress so i wouldn't show that i have um you know girlish features yes like mm-hmm. boobs and and i think boobs mainly because my butt was not that big which is good <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's it's really i mean i used to wear swimming suits which are slimming i used to have speedo swimming suits which i don't know if you remember back then they used to kind of make you look really flat it kind of mm-hmm. like yeah yeah pushes everything in and i used to wear that every day for maybe a good you know year or something because I don't want him to see me an attractive person. I don't want him to see me like, I want him to see me as smart, um, as uh, assertive, as, you know, as strong as I can be. Mm -hmm. Oh, part of me kind of said, you know, God, you know, why do you you make me a girl? Like, this is unfair for girls. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you, you come, you go through these contemplations in your mind, um, but, um, after that very short gig of, let's say a year of that, uh, I said to myself, uh, you know, God gave you this, you have the ability to, to, to be soft and, 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 and giving, and that is a trait that is not available maybe in some of the men around me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Fast forward moving to uh, Canada at the time I was 16, 17, um, you know, I started to gain my confidence back because um, in Canada, um, I had to start from zero. So I had to kind of 
tried my best to be myself mm-hmm. to see how that plays out because I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, you watch, I thought Canada is really an extension of America to be quite honest with you. Yeah. And, uh, I think some people feel that way till today. Yeah. <laughs> Not friendly, <laughs> uh, friendly neighbors, friendly neighbors. And, um, with that being said, um, you know, you, you learn about North America, you know, from TV, you know, you watch movies and, mm-hmm. and um, different uh, MTV videos. I don't mm-hmm. those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Watch for the top 10 and top 20 and billboards mm-hmm. and, you know, how Madonna used to dress is what we probably would want to dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, um so um, with that being said, I thought to myself, you know what, my parents invested in me. I, was, um, I went to a private school, actually, in Egypt, <clears throat> where I learned English uh, to be my first language. Uh, so I was taught everything in English with the exception, <clears throat> excuse me, with the exception of Arabic and history. Those are the two subjects that I had to, uh, and Islamics, which is like the study of religions and stuff. Um, they were all in Arabic, those three, but everything else was in English. Um, so that was really a privilege because when I came to Canada, I went, there was no lull. You know, right. I experienced no issues with that. Um, but this is what I experienced that really got me. When I learned um, that our papers in Canada were not going to work out and we're going to end up coming to the U.S. Um, since we had visas and everything and we were like, okay, we'll try coming here. Um, and I'm not sure if I told you that, Melanie, or not, but my dad, um, he came to the U.S. Uh, as a political asylee, okay? Oh, very, very. I remember you told yeah. me that a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, he was, um, he was uh, one of the protesters of King Hussein's, uh, Jordan King Hussein, past King mm-hmm. Hussein, um, may God rest his soul. Um, he was a, one of the protesters against the monarchy, and he was incarcerated um, and uh, was exiled. Okay. Although his family maintained the citizenship, he was not allowed in. But he's mm-hmm. the head of the household, so we couldn't really go anywhere without him. So mm-hmm. long story short, we tried to um, um, kind of work out for the political asylum in Canada. That didn't work out, but it did work out here. So we went. We came in here with our visas, then applied for political asylum, and you know, God works in mysterious ways. I think within like six months, we had our green card and we were working and everything was okay. Mm-hmm. But um, with that being said, I was going to say um, in Canada, it, it just um, opened my eyes to, you know, how, how women could really have all the opportunities in the world if, if, they, if they work hard for it. Mm-hmm. But then you get these little subtle messages. So I had an advisor in my high school. Mm-hmm. In I told her, you know, maybe I, I dream one day to go to University of Western Ontario, which is one of the top 10 schools in, in Canada, in London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> and then I said, you know, if, if we end up moving to the U.S., maybe I'll go to University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And she laughed at me. She laughed her head off. No kidding. She, that was cute. She said, oh, this is funny. I don't think, I don't think you are, you know, set up to this kind of challenge. And I looked at her and I said, oh my God, you're my counselor. And it was a female actually. And I was, I was disheartened. I was really, I was really taken back. This is one of my defining moments, if you want to call it. 
because um, if you want your man to do something, just dare me. I think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you said, I can't do what again? <laughs> and um, long story short, I did get into Western Ontario. I did for finish my first year, actually, of, uni- of university. And I transferred over here to U of M. Awesome. And I finished from U of M. Uh, and um, not just my undergrad, uh, but also my master's program. And um, now I'm a candidate for PhD in a different university. But, um, you know, I, I, I almost want to go back to that counselor, like, once I got my bachelor back mm-hmm. in, in the 1990s. Uh, and, you know, tell her, hey, uh, I just wanted to say hi, and I wanted to let you know thank you for, you know, pushing me. Because right. I... Has she not made fun of my dream, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have stuck to it. I don't know what it is. Um, I have big dreams, but I think that was kind of the biggest push. So I learned very quickly that some of the hurdles that we face, even in the Middle East as women, we actually have it here. It is live and well in America mm-hmm. <laughs> and in Canada, unfortunately. With some uh, group uh, of people. It's not everywhere. Obviously, it's better, but it's not as, there's still some of it. There's like that institutionalized marginalization of women um, here, which um, should, we should really pay attention. And I made it my uh, prerogative that I am not going to be like that. I'm not going to like that to myself i'm not gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna not gonna be like that to other women and i'm gonna do my very best to uh pave the path for other women to climb up on my shoulder on my head wherever as high as they can go yeah um, and i i see i see that um i see that now but at that time when you you know you joined college and um, did you tell your dad or your mom what was the, what was their reaction or you know or yeah re- so my my dad like any typical Arab dad <laughs> said, uh, you need to be you need to be a doctor <laughs> so I was like okay I'm good in science in general I'm like yeah sure all right so when I applied to Western Uni- University of Western Ontario um, I went in as a major in microbiology. Wow. That would be really good, you know, kind of pre-med, pre-dental if I wanted to go there, okay? Mm-hmm. So I go in, I'm like taking my first classes, and, you know, first year of college, you kind of take all the basics, right? Math, right. biochem, physics, you know, the, the nor- English, you know, the normal stuff. So I am, I'm in these bio classes, and I'm barely pulling a B minus, a C plus. <laughs> And I study my tail off like three weeks. And I know I'm not stupid. I was like, I am intelligent enough to get this material. Why isn't it sticking in? Like it was just unreal. Uh, So uh, I came back to my dad after like the first test. I was like, listen, man, I think med school is not going to work out for me. So he immediately spooted. I was like, how about dental school? I said, okay, I can try dental school. Okay. As long as I, you know, <laughs> I'm, trying to like, I'm trying to reason with the man, right? My mom is like, I don't care, whatever. Um, so, because I never told you, my, ma- my mom is a gymnast. 
Oh, oh, no, I didn't know that. She's a gymnastic, and she used to win, you know, uh, tournaments and all of that wonderful things. Um, and uh, she, when we came here, um, she is a, she, she became a gymnastics coach and uh, a judge now. Okay, mm -hmm. she judges as well. So uh, my mom is like, I'm an athlete. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> she studied, you know, linguistics in college. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's like, yeah, whatever. And my dad also is, um, is a university graduate. My dad um, was majoring in physics and mathematics, mm -hmm. bachelor. So when I told him, dude, I can't do dental school. He, I, I mean, I can't do med school. He said, okay, let's go with dental school. Okay, midterms come. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I can barely like make it. And chemistry um, also starting to kind of come sideways. I'm getting B's. Uh, and B minuses. Um, and here I am studying for a math test like three, four hours before or the night before, and I'm getting like A minus, B minus. Like I'm 87, 95, 96, like, and I'm barely studying for that, in my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. You've been as much time. So by the end of the first semester, I, I, I have this come to Jesus talk with my dad. I was like, okay, man, come sit down. I need to, to break something to you. <laughs> and, um, I realized this is not what you wanted, but I'm going to tell you, I am really sorry. I just cannot continue with the biology, you know, kind of microbiology major I have. I'm going to have to switch to math. No, you can't do that. I was math and physics. I, what are you going to do? You're going to teach. You're not going to be able to get a, you know, earn a good living or, you know, be your own self and, and this and that. And I have to give it to him. He kind of pushed me almost the same way he's pushing my brother. Mm -hmm. I think that's because of the necessity of the fact that we were living elsewhere, that right. we had to move countries, mm -hmm. realized quickly that he may not be able to kind of marry me off to some, <laughs> in my, some rich era, my standard right? of living. Yeah. <laughs> So he's like, okay. And uh, he, he got convinced at the end when I switched my major to mathematics. Um, and when I came to U of M here, um, I continued my math and I finished my bachelor degree in applied math. Awesome. Um, and uh, yes, I, I didn't think about it. It was awesome. I just thought that was my strength. Here mm -hmm. I have to kind of do these contemplating moments your mind and and really draw on your strengths mm -hmm. um i'm very good at math but someone else is really good at biology and that's not me and good for them mm -hmm. and want people like them because they want people like me you know mm -hmm. do their analysis and data and, and all that wonderful things. um and then um when i was in college you know i was doing my my last semester at uh, U of M. Um, and I'm going to tell you that story because I want the listeners to maybe advise their daughters and sons even uh, to always plant the seed with their professors mm -hmm. for opportunities. Um, I'm a big believer. I'm a big, big, big believer that if God puts something in your path, if a door opens, right in front of you, Take you it. step inside. If you didn't like it, you have the right to close that door. But don't you ever pass it along and say, I will not try it. Because 
you will not have made a decision out of knowledge. You would have made it out of bias. Ah. I am a big, okay. big believer that, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to try this and see if that works out. Oh, God, no, I'm, I'm really bad at writing code. I write code, but it's, I'm really crummy. But I can read code. I can read logic. I can do this really well. But the door opened for me to start an, an assignment in coding, for example. I did it. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm, I'm really not that good at coding, but I'm really good at reading it, really good at understanding the logic of how it should flow, what function calls what function. And I thought to myself, okay, now if someone says, I would like a career in coding, I am more equipped to ask them questions to mentor them better. Is this something you like? This is type of nuisance you're going to be going through. This is the type of software you're going to have to get really up with. How are you with logic? How are you with, I'm now I'm educated. I'm giving a, um, an, uh, an opinion and, and um, uh, um, a guidance based on facts and not based on bias. Right. That I see other people do coding. Oh, it looks sexy and you should really try it. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's not the cup of tea of everybody else like mine. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. So um, I'm a big believer in that. If God opens a, a door for you, take a step in there. And if it's great, you continue that. Continue walking and excel and bring people with you. Don't go alone. And if it's a door that maybe is not your cup of tea, well, you can, you know, gracefully say, thank you, God, for this. I learned that this is not for me. Or I learned that this is something for someone else. And that takes courage. Pardon? That takes courage to say that, it, to it, recognize that and to stand up and say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. Absolutely. And, and knowing your limitations. And as I said, these are like moments in your life. If you really think about your path as if it's a movie, think about the scene when you made that decision in your heart. We always associate those major um, changes and challenges with an emotion, some kind of emotion. You really have to recognize that, whether it was a broken heart or an immense amount of joy or an epiphany, you know, like you really feel like a light bulb went off, you know, went up in your head and you're like, oh my God, yes. this would happen. Or like that one advisor that challenged me that I was like, really? That, that's emotion. That's emotion that I felt so small. She, she was successful in making me feel small. And I refused to take that. I, you know, I, I'm not saying it's rosy. I really worked my tail off to get into those colleges and, 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 and really excel and, and be the A student um, that I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's the kind of thing, you know, that, that you go through. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. I have a story that I call it the penny story. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> well, I don't know if I have time. Do I have time? Yes, you have. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So it's my penny story. I tell that to all my interns. <laughs> so tell me more about your penny story. So the penny story is, um, is a story that I tell our interns, as I was saying. Um, I work at Wayne State University, and I tell it to them while we're walking down our campus. Um, and with, with the penny, I tell them, you know, your life is, 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 is a collection of your penny stories. And they're like, what? I say, yeah. I mean, think about it. 
you walk around and you see a penny on the floor. Do you pick it up or not? And they all look at me strangely. They're like, well, sure. Yeah, we pick it up. I said, no, most people don't. Most people will pass a penny because they're going to evaluate the risks. Is it clean? Is it dirty? Is it reachable? Um, is it like compressed and kind of ugly or is it in good condition? And maybe they'll bend down and grab it. Most people will grab maybe larger denominations like a dime or a nickel or a quarter. Mm -hmm. um, and they kind of tend to agree. They're like, yeah, yeah. And they said, do you know that in one day you can collect more than a quarter worth if you do bend down and grab those pennies? And they'd be like, what? I said, yeah, let's, you know, let's walk. Let's see how many can you collect today. And while we're walking, we probably end up collecting like 10 or 15 pennies, okay, together. Mm -hmm. And that's just from people's pocket, falling right out of their pockets. And I said with every, this is how I see our lives. I see all these little pennies that add up to a denomination that is of value. You might think that if I experience this little thing, if I go and step into that one door, that might not appear important, that might not appear to be of value. And I say to myself, well, it's, I, I don't need to volunteer. Or I don't need to be part of the community to do such and such. I do not need to um, write a thank you note to my um, colleagues for something really small or just little, little opportunities of, of giving, little opportunities of doing something. Um, you would not have had the pleasure of accumulating all that experience to cash it out for a much bigger return. Mm -hmm. I told them that, I said, you know, take me for example. I, when I was in college, I planted the seed with my professor saying, hey, uh, I want to work at Ford Motor Company. I used to live in Dearborn, and I said, hey, if, if I can find something at Ford that's close to home because we share a car, and um, that would be good. Somebody can drop me off and pick me up or whatever. So long story um, short, she, um, I mean, he, <laughs> he had uh, an alum who called him up and asked for a math student to come and do an internship at Ford. Mm -hmm. She in the durability team mm -hmm. and he comes and calls me right in the middle of class. He's like, I, I need you come out. So I come out and he's like, Shaman, I have one of my calling me from Ford. Uh, she works in the durability team and she's looking for somebody. And I told her you are the best candidate because you know, your math. I was so happy. I was jumping joy. And <clears throat> she did a phone interview with me the next day. Mm -hmm. And obviously there was no emails. I couldn't send her anything. So it was all on the phone and she hired me. Wow. I used to a restaurant <laughs> making $5 an hour, and making $14 an hour. <laughs> Life was amazing. Oh my <laughs> and, gosh. I know. I, I couldn't believe my first paycheck. I gave $20 from that to my grandma and I said, Grandma, this is my first official professional paycheck. Not that working at the restaurant was not professional, but it was not my career. It, is not, it was not my calling. Right. 
And I told her, Grandma, this is for you. This is my gift to you. She kept it. She kept that toy. She's like, write your name on it. <laughs> She's like, I kept it. She's the sweetest thing ever. God bless her soul. So, um, you know, and, and, and I gave my entire check to my, my family at the time because we were still paying rent and paying, mm-hmm. and paying all kinds of stuff. And I was happy. I was happy. I was like bringing in like three times my income. Like, wow. Um, And so I, had I not asked my professor that, had I not taken a step into the direction of where I think I could use my math in an application format, Mm -hmm. I tell you, Melanie, that assignment, that that, um, durability team uh, gig it didn't just last the summer. They kept me on till like December. Mm-hmm. That's how much they loved my work and I loved them. And at that time, Ford was coming in to interview students at U of M for mm-hmm. hiring as a mm-hmm. Ford College graduate. I applied and I applied to GM and I applied to Toyota and I applied to, um, at the time, uh, was Deloitte and uh, Arthur Anderson. Mm-hmm. So they're not in business anymore, but at the time. Um, and I got offers from three and one of them was Ford. Mm -hmm. I was, oh yeah, I'm signing up for that because Mm -hmm. I already experienced there and I interviewed with them and I did very well, to be quite honest, um, that they hired me. I had an offer even before I graduate and it was just an amazing feeling. Um, and that was all started with that planting the seed, you know, stepping in that one door that you felt like, I don't know if I can really do this or not. Um, and many, many other opportunities. I, so Melanie, I, I call myself a, a junkie reader. I don't know if you, you know that about me probably. So I read about all kinds of opportunities happening around me, whether it was a food bank, um, whether it was, uh, helping refugees, whether it was, um, working with women. Um, I've always, always dabbled with that. I would go to the meetings. I would call in or whatever they need just to kind of see if this is something I like to do. Mm -hmm. And fast forward to Wayne State, uh, by the time I got my gig at, you know, at Wayne State University, my hiring, uh, my hiring VP, um, she told me, Jaman, with your career, you're going to come here and put together this new department of IT audit. And I was like, what? That was my last gig at Ford. I worked in their internal audit uh, IT department. Mm-hmm. And uh, here she's saying, well, I don't have that practice here at Wayne State. Come and do it. So I do it. And uh, I come to Wayne State. And I'll tell you, this is the first time I work in an office that is predominantly women mm-hmm. uh, of African-American descent, actually. <laughs> most mm-hmm. of them, not all of them, you know, but most of them are. Mm-hmm. And wow, wow, women of African-American descent have been battling so much. I learned to be so strong with them. It wasn't even funny. I thought I was strong before, but watching these women was kind of out of control. Um, so, it, you know, they, the amount of confidence they put in me was was really amazing um and during my gig at wayne state too um i was able to be more involved Mm -hmm. with my 
national organizations <clears throat> like ISACA, the Information System Audit and Control Committee, association, association, that committee, association. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, also became um, on the board of, the founding board actually of the Arab American Women's Business Council. Mm -hmm. And um, I was tapped a few years later to be on the ISACA International uh, audit committee, audit subcommittee. Mm -hmm. And um, I had the pleasure of meeting women through the Arab American Women's Business Council mm -hmm. who encouraged me to apply for a governor appointment. Dang. So, Look at you, Joanne. I'm so I'm a governor. proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a governor appointee on uh, Michigan Underground Storage Tank uh, Committee. It's, uh, it's a board that uh, actually... Um, tries to manage a fund to clean up the environment that is caused by leaks of underground storage tanks. So this is completely out of my Comfort league. Zone. I'm yeah. not an environmental girl but, um, or professional, but guess who I represent on the board? I represent the public. Nice. And they love the fact that I'm an auditor. Mm -hmm. they Love the fact that I'm a technology professional. Mm -hmm. Love the fact that I am on so many boards and understand exactly what needs to happen and what type of direction and how to assess risk mm -hmm. when it comes to that. Um, and this is all started with, you know, hey, would you like to come and volunteer on this? Mm -hmm. Hey, would you like to come and look at that? Hey, uh, I'm starting this new mentoring group. Would you, can you mentor some, some students? Or can you mentor other women? Um, as we stand today, um, I probably have mentored close to 60 women. Wow. I don't keep track. I, they might be a little higher, but it, I want to say around that number. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not all at the same time. They kind of, right. like mentoring um, is, and, and coaching in some instances, depending on what's needed, it's kind of in and out, right? Uh, when they need me, they come. And when they're done, they leave and kind of fly away. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I also have mentored men. So it's not just, <laughs> it's not exclusive to women, but these are the predominant ones that I spend most of my time with. But um, I've mentored men as well. I still have men up till today that call me up and say, Jamal, I need your opinion on this. I don't know what to do in this instant. Mm -hmm. oh, my management said, blah, 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 blah. What do you think would be the right approach? I don't even work in their company. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I take that with, with, with pride. Uh, I take that with a lot of humility that they even thought of me to be the person to go to when, when, when people are in, in distress. That's a blessing. That is such an amazing blessing mm -hmm. to know you are the walking angel for someone else. I always ask God that. I know people may not be as godly. But I always ask God to make me helpful, a helpful person for someone else where I can um, and um, be supportive um, and utilize all of my power to, to give them because God gave me so much um, and, and blessed me with, you know, and with great family and great friends like you, Melanie. I mean, look at you. You're, you're no small joke either. You're like, you were... You're big cheese yourself, so I 
Well, thank you. I'm, I'm very glad honored. you're telling me that. I have to call you up more often so I can hear you tell me that more often. <laughs> you are the big cheese. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Um, no, they, um, there's uh, so much we, you know, we women do, and we never really keep track of it, but we really need to learn to toot our own horn. Um, yes. I was at uh, a leadership class recently, and uh, that was the thing. I said, you know, I don't know why people, um, you know, I don't know why I feel like people don't want to hear my story. And my coach was looking at me and she said, what do you, what do you mean? Of course you have some important stuff to say. Look at what you've done. Look at this, this, that. And look, so it almost, you know, her pointing out, like, look at all the stuff you've done. And I told her, I'm not sure why. I feel like I don't need to. She said, Jaman, I'm not a psychologist. Maybe you need to go get some therapy on that. And um, I said to myself, well, maybe I do. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm okay with that, right? There's nothing wrong with trying to figure out what are your struggles. You could be as successful as you can be, but you're, everybody's fighting some kind of a demon in there. Mm -hmm. uh, a full demon. It could be uh, a family that member that's giving you flack. Uh, could be many, many things, really. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their own challenges. Um, and I told her, okay, I, I think I might do that. So I actually looked into like... Um, some therapy sessions um but then it hit me why i feel that way remember uh, melanie i'm telling you about the self-reflections like those moments mm -hmm. in your life and i remembered i was young at maybe five or six i remember sitting in my father's lap and somebody he was talking to somebody about some kind of topic and they looked at me and they said, hey, Jermaine, so what do you think you you know, what do you think? And kind of like jokingly, like, hey, kid, what do you think about the situation, right? And I started to open my mouth when my dad said on my behalf, oh, she's just a kid. No, and then, oh, she's just a girl. What mm -hmm. would she conversation? I think my dad at the time didn't think much about it. It was just a comment saying like, she's a little kid. He, you know. Mm -hmm. But it really, it really made me doubt. Like, people don't want to hear me. They don't want to learn what I'm doing. They don't want to know what I'm doing. Um, and maybe my opinions and my, um, uh, my opinions and my uh, advice is not needed. It's not important. And I think from that day on, after I talked to the coach, I said, I can't believe you forced me to go back and think about when did that happen? And mm -hmm. she up. She was laughing her butt off. She was just like, really? I said, I said, you don't know what you just unleashed. Mm -hmm. I'm be like nonstop talk now. <laughs> she was like, oh my God, what did I do? And I said, uh, I don't know what you did, but... Um, I, it really, that really messed me up. I always thought, okay, someone else can talk. I don't need to talk. Someone else can talk, you know? And then, um, and then now, and now that I know what I know, I was like, oh my goodness, I could be an effective contributor because I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why am I not, you know? Um, right. So it, it was, um, you really have to fight those demons. It, there will always be a doubt. And if you do have that, go find someone that you can talk to that will uplift you. 
surround yourself with those people who are your champions, who are not the naysayers. And I'm not saying find people who are not going to put you on the right path. Like, Melanie, if you see me do something, you're going to check me, mm-hmm. right? You're gonna say, Man, that was wrong or... Mm-hmm. I think that was a really good advice or you're okay to check me. I want someone who I can trust mm-hmm. and to be my champion, be my motivator, uh, especially on those days when you're beaten down by all kinds of things around you. Mm-hmm. Same time fair to you when you, you need, you need to be checked when you need to be like, okay, you really need to reassess the situation. Maybe that was not the right move or whatever it is. But to try to always be surrounded by positivity. You really have no time for negativity. Really, you don't. Um, and, and that's something I learned pretty early, too, in my, in my career. Yeah, I, I think you are a true inspiration to a lot of people because I don't think people realize what they're capable of, right? It's because you, it's so easy to get sucked into the negativity and what's happening around you. You need somebody or something to kind of pull you up and say, you know what, you're fine. You're going to be okay. And you're brilliant and you can do it. You just need to decide you're going to do it and you will. Yes. I think that would be the right advice to give my young self. <laughs> if, <laughs> if I would go back in time, that would be it. That it, you know, things are going to work out. Just give it a try. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. Um, I think fear is really what's stopping you from progressing. Any, if, if anything else, and somebody says, well, who's, who's really stopping you from doing what you do? You really look at the mirror, you're like myself. Mm-hmm. I'm stopping myself from doing anything I want to do. So um, no, you really I, have, uh, to dig deep for that. No, I think this is, this is great. This is fascinating. I think a uh, I learned a lot, girl. You're like killing it, okay? And I'm so proud of you. I can't believe you're the governors. You're the big cheese. You're the big cheese. No Duh. way. Uh, no, but thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and being on, you know, c- and coming on and talking about this because I think we all need, we all need someone to kind of, we all need a time when we need to be able to talk about all the things that we've done. You know, I don't think we ever get a chance to do that. So I think this is great. And I'm so glad I had you on. Oh, me too. And, and I am so proud of you. And I'm proud of your listeners to even take that step and um, look for their own voices and, and maybe hear other women's voices and, and be inspired. I, 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 I listen to podcasts as well. And a lot of uh, YouTube um, not a lot. I shouldn't say that because I, I'm, as I said, I'm a junkie reader. I read a lot. Um, so I read quite a bit about women accomplishments and, mm-hmm. and um, things that would uplift me, things that I would learn from. Um, and uh, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to do what you're doing. It takes a lot to do what you, Melanie, is doing because you had your own challenges and your own um adversities and uh um i have i have utmost respect for you and for the way you think the way you dream the way you um the way you process information um and 
I'm a big fan of yours. So um, I hope the, the listeners will get the chance to hear your voice too. And, and maybe I'll interview you next time. Okay. <laughs> Girl, I'm <laughs> your big fan that. too. I'm your, I'm your huge fan of yours. So, but thank you. I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, we're still connecting in spite of all the stuff that's happening the last few years. And, you know, I'm, I'm yes. glad to be back here and glad to be in touch. And I think this is going to be an, an awesome, awesome interview. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you too. And thanks to the audience and listeners. Uh, continue to watch for this wonderful, amazing uh, podcast by Melanie. Uh, and I can't wait to see how that goes. I think you're going to be an amazing, amazing, amazing podcaster. Thank you. All right. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Talk to you later. Take care, Melanie. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.